The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom. He's Travis. It's Thursday night. And Trav, for a couple of reasons, it's a, a bit of a momentous day. Number one, this is a episode number 100 for us. I feel like there should be some like grand like montage you've pulled together, but... Well, we're not going to do... We're, we're not going to turn this into a clip show like Seinfeld with the, the highlights of 100. So uh, Any chance that we could like, you know, archive our old greatest hits and just like charge people for them <laughs> oh god i'm not going down that road again I've heard that's a very successful method these it's days a, it's a profitable just model heard, just what i've heard <laughs> no no i i think we'll have to uh, save that for another day but uh, the other reason um a little bit of brown's history I, I don't know if you realized but three years ago on this date december 14th of 2014 we had the first game of one Johnny football against oh. uh, the Bengals. Um, I would argue that in this uh, never-ending torpedo towards the bottom, um, that was when the shift into terminal velocity began in earnest. Uh, I don't know. Were you at that game? Um. Yes, actually, I was. So Thursday was I. Night game. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, not the one that I was at. The one I was – I did go to one that Johnny played in. Right. Uh, against Cincinnati, but that was in Cincinnati on a Thursday. It was not his – I remember that. that. That was about two or three weeks after we had just gotten started, and I think you told the story on here about that. You're oh, inv- yeah, I got jacked in the face. That's right. <laughs> it was beautiful by a Browns fan of all people. <laughs> and somehow the game I went to with uh, Johnny Football's debut against Cincinnati the year before was even worse. Um, I wanted to get up and yell at the guy, you know, you live in Cleveland, you don't live in Cincinnati. <laughs> but it didn't hold up quite as well. Uh, sad but true. But no, I, I remember that uh, that was the the reason that sticks out to me so much was um, unlike you who had snuffed out the ruse right from the beginning, I was on board with uh, Johnny Manziel and I will never forget being in that stadium being pretty excited to see him debut. The Browns had lost a couple games at that point, but we're still in the playoff race. And then um, within five minutes of that game starting, I think it became readily apparent just what a disaster this was about to be. And uh, nothing that unfolded over the next three hours or for the rest of his time in Cleveland really changed any of that. But um, that was December 14th, 2014. Uh, December 14th of 2011. Do you know what happened that day? I feel like I should, but I don't. That um, I discovered thanks to uh, the uh, fine app on our phone, uh, TimeHop. I um, love time hop. Was uh, the day that we got Mike Holmgren's infamous "Don't come to me for playoff tickets." Oh man! So uh, uh, to be fair, to be fair, he laid down that law in the press conference that day, and uh, I don't know him personally, but I am willing to bet that since then nobody has come to him for any Browns playoff tickets. So maybe playoff tickets, not for the Browns though. Right. So it Seattle was Seattle. Seems to be where we're spending his time these days. 
I mention all of this in in the context that it's only fitting that today we get uh, the new Browns general manager who was not with the organization the last time you and I convened, uh, John Dorsey, uh, up on the podium today says uh, Browns need to go out and get some real football players. Um, pretty clearly throwing uh, the previous regime and the <laughs> several players on the current roster, it would seem, under the bus. What did you make of that uh, that comment and what we heard today? One specific comment, I think, I think it's a little over the top. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily inaccurate, uh, <laughs> but I'm not sure it's the message you want to send to those guys that are clearly part of that group. Um, but on a larger scale, it's it's given me flashbacks to Greg Williams, um, who came in, you know, seemed to be more well regarded than his you know his resume probably deserved, um, but came in you know talking real tough like no nonsense football guy, and we've all seen you know how that's rewarded us. Um, so I I don't know I. It's, I guess it's good if you're one of the people who didn't like Sashi Brown and didn't think that approach was going to work. You're probably really excited and you probably love the guy. Um, and even if you don't didn't really have a strong opinion on Sashi Brown, you probably still like the guy just because he's got that, that sort of football personality that you see. Um, but I'm, I'm done letting guys win press conferences and then, you know, build their reputation off of that. I, I don't really give a shit what he has to say right now, quite honestly. As for Greg Williams, I think it's probably a bad sign that Jabril Peppers is lining up in my backyard when the Browns are playing home games, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, the one thing that I thought was kind of odd about this, and I, I'm not really going to get into player evaluation. I'll be honest, there are people that are a hell of a lot better at that than I am. Um, I hope he's one of them, but... Um, the the one facet of this that I thought was really interesting was the day that uh, Sashi was let go and Dorsey was brought in. And a couple of times since then, we've heard repeatedly that Hugh Jackson is coming back to coach this team again next year. And, and I said it that day that the front office changes happen and I'm, I'm sticking to it as well. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it um, at training camp um, and not until then. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything more flimsy in the world than an owner's vote of confidence for an embattled coach, and I don't really see why that would be any different here when we're staring down the barrel of this coaching staff being 1-31 in 31 when the season's over. Um, but what I, what I think was interesting was, on the one hand, you've gotten some reports that came out that said, you know, John Dorsey, you know, he might be making a push to for a new coach after this season's over. And that doesn't surprise me at all because there was no reason that you needed to fire Hugh Jackson at the same time. There's nothing to be gained by that. If you're starting with the front office, start there. Let those guys evaluate who's in the positions now. And if you want to make a change, do it after the season. But, you know, we, we hear that, yeah, he might want to make a push for his own coach. He might already have somebody in mind. Um, but then... With that tenor of the press conference today, with him really kind of going in on the current roster, it seemed to me to be kind of paving the way to say, you know, this the the the, the failures to this point are not on the coaching staff. And it almost seems like you're kind of laying the groundwork to make the argument that these coaches should be sticking around next year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's sort of funny because a lot of people today, I noticed when um, when he did when he had his you know when he said what he said today. It's a lot of people online and you know just in general seem to be like, well, you know, he can always change his mind and fire Hugh Jackson at the end of the season. Um, most people seem to be forgetting that Hugh Jackson actually reports to Jimmy Haslam. He doesn't report to the GM, which is sort of unconventional. Um, and it seems but, like that's going to continue now yeah. going forward. Yeah, and that's sort of the way it is. So I don't um, – I, I think those people thinking, you know, Dorsey can change his mind and go for, uh, go fire Hugh if he wants. That's actually not the case. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he can't talk uh, Jimmy into doing it, but – if if, if 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 it comes down to it, Dorsey's not the one that can make that decision. Um, beyond that, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm so sick of like buying into these guys and what they say and all that shit that, like, it's hard for me to even care at this point what they have to say. I do think it's interesting that they're sort of just giving Hugh a pass at this point and saying, um, you know, he'll be back no matter what. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. The that voted confidence on a one in thirty one team, you can. You can throw out the window because no one's going to blame the guy if he fires him, regardless yeah. of what he says now. Well, well, let me ask you this: We got what three games left in the season now, and you know we're kind of talking about one and thirty-one as if it's already happened. Do you see a win coming in these last three weeks? Yeah, they could be Chicago. Okay. Um, and they obviously they can always beat Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh rests a bunch of guys. Um, if the game doesn't matter, which is actually possible. Um, if Pittsburgh wins, if Pittsburgh wins this week, our game against them won't matter at all. Um, so I guess that's possible. Do you, do we really care other than like that? You don't want that specter of being the team that didn't win any games. Do we actually give a shit? Does it make a difference? Is there, are we really going to feel better if they're one in 15 instead of zero in 16? I mean, if you're talking about the collective we, but beyond you and me, then maybe. But right. if you yeah. were asking me personally, no. I Okay. All right. Um, it's more yeah, of a morbid curiosity for me at this point. But um, no. <laughs> you're you're almost rooting for it just to see the uh, the rare the rare event. Well, you know what? Actually, I'm not, and I'll tell you why. Because for the last few years. Uh, as the wheels have really fully and completely come off uh, this uh, bandwagon here, um, uh, my bride has tried to tell me we need to find a way to bet on the Browns to go 0-16. And, you know, a couple years ago, I mean, I think they went like 3-13 and or something like that. So obviously that was out. And then last year, it took them until Christmas Eve to finally get their one and only win. And uh, again, this year... You know, we were in Vegas the week before um, the start of the NFL season. So you got sports books all over the place. And she was telling me the whole time we're out there, we need to find a way to do this. I'm telling you, they're going 0-16 this year. They're horrible. I don't know why you try to talk yourself into, you know, otherwise. And I'm like, no, listen, they're going to be bad, but they're going to win a couple of games. I'm not throwing money away betting on 0-16 this year. Um but uh, here we are now, and uh, dear God, it's looking uh, possible, if not probable. Yeah, I think I'd be I'd be interested to see what the over is right now on games. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, you can't you can't name your own um, in Vegas. They're not going to let you set that. Which I I I would have loved to see what the odds would have been. 
Um, yeah, if you I, could find that, I you know what I I should have at least looked into it because if it was uh, a big enough number, I might have been swayed, especially after a few of the frozen cocktails I had at the pool at the MGM. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you were you were out there this week, right? Yeah, I just got back. Actually, it was there was my first trip. Uh, really, first my first trip out there. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time. Just went for a couple days with the wife, a couple buddies, um, play little cards. Where'd you stay? We stayed at Caesars. Oh, very nice. Uh, little known fact: not the actual Caesars Palace. Ah. <laughs> um, I don't know how many times that joke got made, but <laughs> still hilarious. Uh, no payphone banks. Cracking that joke probably five times classic um but no we it was it was a good time i didn't do anything crazy i don't think i actually did you know what most people anticipate is vegas um took it fairly easy for the most part um but it was a good time i like vegas I'll, i'm excited to go back sometime hopefully did, when it's a little warmer did you make any sports bets while you're out there did you hit the book i, I did not we got in um we got in saturday night and Sunday morning, got up, and we're three hours behind. So I wasn't like I wasn't really even a functioning adult until games had already started. Okay. Um. So we went to we went to brunch at like nine thirty, and by the time we were done with brunch, games were already going. Um. And I just kind of hung out. Didn't didn't bet any of that. Um. Truthfully, I don't I don't I don't watch enough NFL to really justify risking money on a game. Um. In years past, I probably would have dove in head first, but I just didn't really feel the urge this time. Well, look at you getting all responsible. Yeah, what happened to you? It's nuts. It's a disgrace. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, well, embarrassing and the Browns my, tend to go hand in hand. But I played a lot of uh, Shark NATO slots. So, oh. Yeah, nice little machine there. I uh, Where did I see one of those? That was either in the MGM casino... Or that might have been when I went to downtown. Did you make it, was, it over to downtown at all? I did. We went to downtown Sunday night. Big fan of that. I that I went there. That was my third trip to Vegas when I, we went back in September. And uh, that's the first time I'd been to the downtown area. I, I loved it, and I can't wait to get back over there. Yeah, we played. Uh, we were at the uh, Golden Nugget. I yep. played Pie Gal for about three hours. There you go. Um, Which, if you're some, like... I don't know how many folks are familiar with Pygow. It is the easiest game to just sit there. You're not going to win much. You're not going to lose much. You're just going to kind of sit there and play. And it's still kind of fun, though. Um, I ended up losing like 100 bucks in, in a total of three hours, which is kind of insane. It's hard to sit at a table for that long for most games um, and not lose much. So interesting game. I just learned it this weekend, and I, I have to say I will play it again. Mm. Very good. Anything else on the Browns before we uh, we move on? Um, when do we start talking draft? Not yet. <laughs> no, you hold no. off. I, I am. Off? May, maybe you could talk me into it when we start talking about the Bulls, just in terms of uh, who to watch, who we should be paying attention to, who's actually going to be playing in the bowl games, and who's going to be sitting out. But um, yeah, I think we're in a little bit of a lull this week with college football. So, yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. What do you think? No, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I mean, it's let's be honest. I, I watch a ton of college football. I watch more than probably the average person does. By the time we get to talk draft, 
literally every person in Cleveland is like, oh, I love this guy. I love this guy. You know, he's the next big thing, blah, blah, blah. They haven't watched any of him play. They read like four scouting reports on him on the Internet. You know, they've been pounding on Walter football for the last two weeks and just fell in love with the guy based on what someone else said about him. So I won't even pretend that I know about a lot of these guys, but yeah, I'm not anywhere near ready to dive in head first. All right. That actually, I am going to make that a segue into what I want to talk about next. Okay. So, fa- fan, fan knowledge. And, um, How's that for a transition? Yeah, that's, that's right. So, uh, as we record right now, I've got the Cavs game on in the background. They're playing the Lakers, um, second half looking at, yeah, Cavs are up by about nine, but, um, I was planning on watching this game on TNT tonight. I was really excited for that because somehow it has <laughs> been, know where this is going. it has been a day short of a full month since the last time we got a Cavs game on national TV and, to be clear, I do not count games on NBA TV as a national TV game because those are just local broadcasts that get uh, ported over to, to the NBA TV. Um, when I say national, I'm talking ESPN, TNT. And 8, 8.05, I turn the TV on and find out that uh, TNT is blacked out in the Cleveland market. So once again, we're stuck with uh, the, the local production on Fox Sports Ohio. Blessed. Hashtag blessed with the local production. This, this, okay, so first of all, it's ludicrous that we can go a full month without LeBron James and the Cavs on national TV. I want to know when the last time LeBron went an entire month of his career during a season without playing a national TV game. I know. Also, also, I think we we might have as many national games as anybody. Right. Right. So, so that, that gap alone is kind of rare. Right. Well, I was going to say, I, I know that they, for the top teams, they tend to backload it a little bit more after the holidays because that's when people really start paying attention and NBA ratings tend to start picking up once football's over with. So they want to have the best teams on national TV as much as possible. But yeah, typically it's opening week. You get a few Cavs games and a few sprinkled out through November and early December. And then um, starting on Christmas Day, uh, then, you know, full speed ahead going forward. But we've had nothing since the game at Charlotte, November 15th on ESPN, which just boggles my mind that it's been that bad. But, um, yeah, outside of Cleveland tonight, I guess uh, you're still getting the the TNT game. But um, nevertheless, it just uh, it fascinates me the divide between fans who would rather watch if you're given the choice and you are getting both channels, which one people would prefer to watch. If you get the choice, which one are you watching? If I think about it. So here's the thing. If I think about it, I'm going to pick the national guys most of the time. Um, There have been instances in the past when we've been on national TV and it didn't even like dawn on me, and just out of instinct, I went to channel 1734 because that's what I always go to to watch the Cavs, and and didn't even think to put on the national one. Um, but if I'm thinking about it, paying attention, easily the national one, um, for for multiple reasons. The the biggest one of which, say what you want about you know Austin Carr and all that, um, I I kind of want to hear something different. I hear the same thing from them most times. I don't need to hear the same thing every time. I like the, you know, the freshness of a different team. Um, 
but sort of where you're going. Uh, um, I kind of tire of the homerism all the time. It wears me out a little bit, and I am as big a homer as they come. <laughs> that's that's well established. I mean, I want to be clear. I'm not attacking anybody personally here. Um, Fred and AC seem like they'd be super fun to hang out at a bar with and watch a game with. Real and good I'm guys. sure that's the what's that? Real good guys. Got to throw that out there. It's like the generic disclaimer. Well, I'm, really I'm, good people. I'm I'm sure they would be a lot of fun to watch a game with at a bar, but. Um, like you said, I, I like getting a different perspective and something I read today on, I think it was Cavs, the blog.com. Um, let me look this up real quick. Ben, uh, where is he? Ben, is it Benja Blake? <laughs> no, so I, I was, I was reading a story today on Cavs, the blog.com by Ben Worth and he has league pass and he says that he always likes if he's watching a game with the Cavs and it's, you know, not a national broadcast, he likes watching the other teams broadcast because he likes to see what they're saying about the Cavs. And what's really interesting is how outdated the scouting reports teams or other teams broadcasts are using when they're talking, uh, you know, about what, what the Cavs are bringing to the table when, when Cleveland comes to town or whatever. Um, some of the things you hear constantly, J.R. Smith's a bad defender and, and he's a knucklehead. Uh, Iman Shumpert is our primary defensive stopper. Kyle Korver could shoot, but um, the team's terrible defensively when he's out there. And th- these are all things that might have been true when those guys all first came in, respectively, but none of them are true now. And it just kind of makes me wonder, you know, what's the story on, on teams? Do our guys that, do the same thing? Yeah, yeah, I guess to a degree. I I do wonder that. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, they're, they're, for as much as I prefer the national and getting a fresh perspective and getting a little bit more X's and O's and the better pr- production values and the whole nine yards, um, it fascinates me. There are people that, uh, you know, in a good chunk of the audience, I would say, I, I think we're probably in the minority in Cleveland, to be honest with you, because, like, I know if I'm at a family gathering, and the game's on, and everybody has the choice of which one to watch. When I go to put on TNT or ESPN, everybody will look at me like I have two heads because they want th- those guys. They they they're they're, they're buddies, and you know they, they want uh, you know oh got him a bird oh deep in the queue and uh, <laughs> you know Fred talking about burning Akron rubber and from Akron three three zero and and you know all the other catchphrases that you know litter their broadcast throughout, but. Um, I don't know. I guess it's all a matter of preference. Yeah. Um, if they're doing the old scouting report thing, I mean, they probably are. I don't. And to be fair, yeah, that's that's not what I think. Ninety nine percent of the people tuning into a broadcast are looking for. They want to hear you pump up your team and you know get excited about you know LeBron and you know guy you know the the Cavs doing what they do and you know the other team. It's it's the guys wearing different colored uniforms, and we don't care about them for the most part. I mean, we want to see our guys, and I get that. But and at the same time, those guys, their job is to cover one team, right? I don't know, man. I mean, I I, I have I kind of go in modes. I I like Austin uh, Austin Carr specifically just because I've watched him for so damn long. He's just a guy that's like, all right, that's my guy. He, he may not be particularly good. But he's my guy, so I, I gotta like him a little bit, you know. 
He's going to throw the hammer down with Austin Carr. Is that the... Yeah, I have Austin Carr Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> oh. I, I, I get it. But um, the, the All right, so the other aspect of watching Cavs games, and this was something I had briefly mentioned, I think, about a month or two ago, and you said we have to talk about this at some point. I This is as good a time as any. So I'm watching live now as we record, but this is a rarity for me. Most times I watch the games on DVR, and this seems to just blow your mind. I, 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 I don't get it. A lot of people do it. It goes back, honestly, the first time I ever heard of this concept even was when Kramer ruined the Mets game for Jerry. <laughs> and I was watching this. I watched this show, and I'm like, why the hell would he have been recording it? You already know who won. Like, what's the point of watching the game? I cannot wrap my head around this idea that while, like, your desire to watch the entire game overrules the desire to watch what's happening right now. So let me explain this. We... You're not, you can't. <laughs> let me not try. Gonna, not going to allow Humor it. me here. I did not ever do this until Cassidy was born. And once we had a child in the house... That pretty much, as long as she's awake, I want to actually be able to watch the game and not have her um, climbing on me or running around or asking to put Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or now, um, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast or whatever on. And for me, we put her to bed around 8.30 or 9. And until we get that all done with, if I just picked up, picked up the game after she goes to bed, I mean, I'd be catching the last six minutes most nights. And, I mean, you can make the argument that's all you really need to see in most of these games. That's what it tends to get really serious. But I like to watch the full game. And when you DVR it, I've kind of perfected this at this point where you blow through the pregame and every dead ball and all of the free throws, all the timeouts, I can bang out a game now in a little over an hour and see all of the game action. Um, so as long as I go Twitter dark and, you know, don't go on any kind of social media. And How do you do that? It's fine. You have I, the internet right at your fingertips I know. all the time. I, I, I need a break from it every once in a while. It's it's good to just go put the phone down. Not the worst thing in the world. Um, I mean, I guess after today, it, you know, probably going to have to be paying an extra 25 bucks a month for Twitter anyway, but that's a whole separate discussion. But, uh, yeah, I... I you just go dark, you go off the grid for a little while, come back, you know, plow through the game, and, and jump back on afterwards. I will say that for big games, playoff games, and things like that, I, I can't do that. I, I gotta be live. Um, you know, gotta earn brownie points at home first, and, uh, you know... <laughs> cash them the, in later. Yeah, that's exactly right. I go cash them in and uh, enjoy the game, but uh, yeah, when it, when it's a typical... Uh, Tuesday night against the Nets or the Hawks or something like that. I got I got no problem with it. My 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 other problem is a hundred percent selfish. Like when I'm watching the game live and I go to text you and you're not watching it, it infuriates me. And not, <laughs> not because it's and it's not at all your fault. It's just occasionally I like to talk to you live when something happens, and oftentimes I can't do it, and it well, disappoints me. Well, I like to talk to you too, bud. Got a little, little sad. <laughs> Thinking maybe we should just get an apartment together, <laughs> make this thing official. 
<sighs> well, perhaps. Um, oh, I know the other thing I wanted to talk about with the uh, with the Cavs. We found out yesterday, uh, no All-Star game. We, we knew 2020 was going to Chicago, and now we find out that 2021 is going to be going to Indiana. I don't know, maybe the NBA is going to keep working their way east another couple hours and go 2022 in Cleveland. But uh, as of right now, the, the big selling point of the renovation and getting it, you know, ran through and, and started as soon as possible was that uh, that was going to be, you know, they had to get things started by mid-September to meet the NBA deadline for consideration for one of these two All-Star games. And you know, the whole hope was, yeah, we, we do these renovations, it's going to land an All-Star game in Cleveland. Well, they, they made the deadline. It was close, but they did make that deadline to get things started there. And uh, no, no All Star game. What do you think? Uh, I was never crazy about it to begin with. I think we were kind of in agreement on that. Um, and the idea that now we're setting settling for this sort of half cocked, not all that impressive renovation that really is only forced through, so that it or allegedly was only forced through so that it could get this All-Star game. It kind of feels like all that was for nothing. Um, and truthfully, they should go back to the drawing board and come up with something a little better. Um, at least that's my opinion. That's obviously not going to happen because Dan's going to get his money and that's all he really cares about. Um, but it, it sucks for a couple different reasons. And I don't know. What, can you, what else can you say, you know? Yeah. Um I was a little unnerved by a few weeks ago, Dan Gilbert, we saw tweeting um, to Len Komorowski, the president of the Cavs, I think is his title, um, ideas for 2034 in terms of arena design, which with the Q lease being extended with as part of the agreement with this renovation is the lease is extended to 2034. So while he didn't outright say hey, we're going to be building immediately as soon as we can, as soon as that lease extension is up. But, um, you know, that was certainly the implication. And he kind of walked it back, I think, a day later. But um, considering I haven't seen a shovel in the ground over there, I thought that was a little off-putting. And I think that was kind of my frustration with the renovation to begin with, is we know a whole arena, we we know a new arena is coming whether it was going to be in 2027 or now 2034. And I just always felt like the entire time with this renovation, you're basically spending a lot of money for seven years. And were those seven years worth it? Or could that those funds have just, you know, been put towards biting the bullet and going ahead with the full new arena, wherever that is. And I mean, who's to say Dan Gilbert still owns the Cavs by that point. I, I was mean, just going to say, who knows? Maybe that's a uh, Cavs owner, LeBron James's problem by that point. But, exactly. Um, I was just going to say, I highly doubt that Dan Gilbert's going to have a team that long. Yeah. I don't um, know. Maybe it's uh moving the chess pieces around to maximize his, uh, the value of his asset before he sells, but uh, hard to say for sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought that was uh Kind of a little bit surprising that, you know, and the other thing to keep in mind is I, I said 2022, and I do think that, you know, if the Cavs push hard enough, they're going to get an all-star game here once those renovations are done. Because the fact of the matter is not a lot of teams want to host that. Um, there, it's not an accident that, I mean, it's going to be back in L.A., I think, this year for, I don't know, the third or fourth time in the last 15 years. And um, 
you know, New Orleans has had it a few different times and a couple other cities have had it multiple times. A lot of the other cities just don't really want it. It's a, it's a hassle. It's a headache. There's a lot of uh, coordination and other things that go into it. So if you're a team that actually wants to have it, you probably will get it sooner than later. But um, I do wonder, um, you know, Minnesota just did a lot of renovations on their building. Uh, Milwaukee's opening up a new one, I think, next year. Detroit just moved into the new Red Wings arena in downtown Detroit this year. Um, For the record, how is that place not called Caesars Palace? <laughs> I'm sure there's like, some trademarks involved there. but uh, Like, that's the easiest thing ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that place does look pretty cool on TV. I, I wouldn't mind going up there and catching a game. but um, Yeah, especially how they like hide all the people in the stands. <laughs> they must have learned a, from the Browns. Hell of a trick they got there. They probably <laughs> sold that like 3D projector that the Cavs have, but they do it on the crowd instead to make it look like no one's there. I'm telling you, the Browns have perfected that. So, you know, they just you know made a call across uh, across the Great Lakes and got some pointers. But They traded it for the barge. <laughs> Never has a game that meant so little meant so much. <laughs> Uh, we need to bring back the GLC. That uh, it was good, good fun in August every year. Someone, uh, uh, I think it was Carmen the other day. Ken Carmen was talking about. Apparently, he knows where the barge is, and it's just like sitting in a fucking closet somewhere. <laughs> well, that and the other thing that's crazy about that that finally, I think the last year of that rivalry, I use rivalry in air quotes here. It, word got out. I can't remember who finally blew the secret on this, but apparently, there's two trophies. Each team has one, and it's just whichever. You know, the team is hosting the game that year. That's the one they roll out. Yeah, so uh, there's not one traveling trophy like the Stanley (laughs) Cup or anything like that. That's pretty pretty fantastic, too. And entirely believable, too. I mean, but... um, Oh, of course. But no, just back to what I was saying. I mean, you know, Sacramento's another one. They're they're getting a new arena. So, or they just got one, I should say. So a lot of other teams with new buildings that I could see wanting to make a push for it. So uh, the Cavs might have some competition there. Something to probably keep an eye on. But uh, I don't know what uh, what else we got going on lately. Uh, I don't know. One thing I do like about this local coverage, I don't think I've seen Lavar Ball once. I assume he's at this game, but yeah, I we, seen we him initially in the heard this morning he was not going to be there. To which I said, I guess he's not a big snowballer. Um, oh, whoa, hey now, <laughs> hey now. With the the, uh, the the weather around here, but no, apparently uh, the, the the ball family and, and Lavar Ball they, they were spotted, and I do believe they are at the game. But no, I will say I have not seen them at all uh, since I've been watching, and I you know I keep peeking back over my shoulder here as we go along in the second half. But uh, yeah, that's uh, there you go. That is a good point. Beyond that, I don't know. I don't have a whole hell of a lot. All right, what do you got? You got to have something else. <laughs> You're 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 the uh, you're the idea man. Oh God, we are screwed. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I could say I'm slightly nervous about what's happening with the Indians and free agency. But uh, right, let me ask you my my favorite December question that I ask everybody. Yes. Better version of Santa Claus is coming to town. Springsteen or Jackson Five? Oh, was not ready it's for that. So, people that don't know me, I love all the kitschy Christmas bullshit, like all the movies, all the corny-ass songs. 
Santa Claus is Coming to Town is the only one that doesn't have a quintessential number one version. And so I often say, and people are insanely split about it. Every nine times out of ten, if a person has an opinion, the other opinion like isn't even close. But it's almost always pretty split. I don't have a hard take on that one either way. I would kind of lean towards the Jackson Five version, but you could very easily sway me towards the boss. They're both fantastic. It's incredible. It's incredible. I I will say this though. I mean, you're you're super into all that stuff. I am the exact opposite. I think probably as a result of working in department stores while I was on winter break from college um, a few different years during my time oh, at I worked, OU. I worked electronics retail for four years, man. Yep. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So I, I, I did one year working the watches and gold counter at JCPenney, and I did one year at – um, well, at the time, I think it was still Kaufman's, but now it's Macy's. Um, and yeah, getting eight to 10 hours a day of the same eight or nine Christmas songs on repeat just absolutely killed Christmas carols for me forever or so I thought. And, and only I would say in the last year or two that, uh, you know, now that I have to be the good family man with the the wife and kid in the car when we're driving around and got to, you know, try hard to get back into the holiday spirit, um, I, I'm slowly coming back around, but it took me a long, long time to get there. See, I just, I get way too into it. You're like, my wife, like, she, that drives her crazy because I play, I'll play Christmas music all the time. And she's like, can we listen to something else? <laughs> I'm, it, it's weird because I'm also, in general, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty, uh, you know, cynical uh, sarcastic type and when people find this out about me they're always like wait a minute what like in my last job i uh i organized a really elaborate uh gift exchange like secret santa and they're like who the hell did all this it's like it was me they're like no fucking way it was you you're full of shit who actually did it uh, so um i don't i can't explain it i don't know why i just i just love christmas i think it's fantastic i love everything about it you know, i was very proud of myself tonight before you and i jumped on here uh I made a, a a nice batch of Rice Krispie treats for my daughter's preschool class oh, for tomorrow. I made them from scratch. That was uh... nice. <laughs> from scratch, meaning it's two items that you mix together. Hey, it was three, three items, three pal. Items, it, was, it was the butter, it was the marshmallows, butter. and it was the Rice Krispies. But uh, could have uh, thrown a little uh, food coloring in there, a little green, a little red, make a holiday theme. You know what? I have to make another batch for my own office Christmas party for next week. I'll. Uh, I'll take that under advisement. There it is. There it is. All right, so we're getting Brown's uh, cheap shots. We're getting digs in at uh, local broadcasts, and we're getting uh, Christmas recipes. You're getting a little bit of everything tonight, folks. Got to do it. We're jacks of all trades over here. Would it be jack of all trades or jacks of all trade? Jacks of all trades, because we are each a jack of all trades, I suppose. So, yes. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Yeah, you want to talk Indians? I don't. I, 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 I'm just, I'm nervous. I, you know, people smarter than me will, about the baseball things, will probably make a, a very good case for why things are all right. I've just, I've seen a lot of good, uh, useful bullpen guys going to other destinations. And we know that Cody Allen and Andrew Miller are probably only here for one year. Um, Santana, Carlos Santana, 
still up in the air as of the time we're recording this. Jay Bruce probably on his way out. Um, a lot of pieces that seem, you know, J- Jason Kipnis, Danny Salazar, both being actively shopped. Um, you know, I mean, yes, obviously we still got Frankie Lindor and Jose Ramirez and, you know, most of the rest of the core coming back. And that's great, but it just seems like there are a lot of pieces that are either out or up in the air and um, haven't seen a whole lot coming in at this point. I, I trust the front office. I, I think there's a plan in place here. Um, and to be fair, you know, at this time last year, we didn't know Edwin Encarnacion was coming. So, you know, a lot can still happen. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little on edge. Did the uh, – what you think of the uh, Giancarlo Stanton thing? <laughs> um, like, did, did Jeter send a gift basket with him when when he went up to New York? Like what? it was to me, it was like it was flashbacks of uh, Jerry West sending Pau Gasol to his former team for pennies on the dollar. Well, um, and the other one I loved was Boston fans flipping out about that. You know, the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. It's like, did you forget that Kevin McHale went to the Timberwolves and immediately gift wrapped Kevin Garnett for you? Um, you know, I mean. It's one of those things like those those moves. I don't know if there's ever been one that was so like blatantly like bad for the league. What the Marlins are doing is bad for the league. Um, you could argue that those other ones were you know bad for those individual teams. And the Gasol um, one, I mean, it took a while, but that one ended up actually ended panning up out pretty okay. well because Mark Gasol is awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it ended up looking okay. Um, but this one, it's just like this. Derek Jeter comes in, buys a fraction of a team with somebody else's money. Um, starts I, I don't know if it's on him or the guy that actually owns the majority um it's just a really bad look that this guy comes in moves their best asset to his former team um you, you know and i don't know that there's any i don't know if there's many athletes out there that are more synonymous with the team than Derek jeter is with the yankees right um so it's just one of those things that just it's clearly a bad trade for the Marlins. Obviously, they're not – all they're doing is saving money. That's it. They're not getting better. It's not It's not a good move for them in any way. Um, but the, the way that it goes down, it looks even worse just because – I don't know. It just seems like one of those things that you shouldn't be allowed to do it. Well, I mean, the thing that's most alarming to me is if your move as an ownership group, the very first – thing you're doing when you come in after buying a team is immediately having a fire sale and cutting payroll as much as possible i have to question why you were approved to buy a team to begin with if you can't you know afford to sit at the table why are you there um and that's kind of the biggest question i have about all of that so i don't know i mean Maybe some of those guys that they traded for are going to turn out to, you know, be players and, uh, you know, John Dorsey uh, terminology, real players. But uh, in the immediate for right now, I, I don't think anybody that they've acquired is necessarily particularly highly rated by any of those prospect evaluation systems or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's not a great look. 
would you have ex- did you expect or or even you know hope that the league might do anything about it? No, no, just because I I, I think I mean if you if something like that was happening I I just I have a hard time believing that I don't want to say like you expected a fire sale to happen, but. Um, if you were going to have a big problem with the way they're running their business, you wouldn't have approved them off the bat to begin with. But um, hard to say for sure. You don't know what was said behind closed doors and all that. Um, I guess my one disappointment is if the Marlins are in the process of trying off, trying to sell off their best assets, it would have been great for the Indians to get in on that action. But, um, you know, not to this point. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that I heard. Uh, I think, uh, what's his face, Yelchin is no longer um on the market right uh and it's i i don't know if they were ever actually seriously discussing it but his name got floated a couple times with potentially with the indians and that would have been that would have been a pretty exciting move that would have been fun cool moves cool moves. <laughs> cool, cool story bro all right um i think i'm good how about you yeah that'll do all right tap we, me out we have uh we have kept it a buck here for uh, episode 100 as far as cool stuff goes, this was not our coolest show. <laughs> like a hundredth show, we kind of just came in and did it. You know, we should do something cooler for like one hundred and one. I, you know what, we we've got something in the works. I don't want to, uh, don't want to spill it yet because we got to nail it down. Thank All right, God. no, Ooh, no wait. pun intended. That was that was there awful. There it is, full um, circle right there. I love it. <laughs> That's a pro move right there. Uh, yeah. Subliminal messaging. Good God, no. Um, yeah, no, I, I've got high hopes. I've, I've got something, you know, we were talking before we started recording here. We got something cool for next week. Uh, I think it's going to be time to really dive in on the Cavs, um, besides just their broadcasts and DVRs and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, that'll that'll be fun. So, uh, as always, you can catch us on waitingfornextyear.com and uh, our own website, thenailpodcast.com. If you like the show and you want to stick with us, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, for you Android users, go to Google Play, and uh, we are also on Stitcher. And go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thenailpodcast. Uh, we will be back, I suppose, next week, probably getting ready for Cavs Warriors on Christmas. All right, for Travis Shuley, I am Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.